lesson this morning, and we want to, to focus on renewing our minds, because that's where the attack is. If the devil can kind of get you in a certain attitude and, 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 and start working on your mind and playing with your mind, he's almost won. You know, if he can start to make you focus on some things, and it's amazing how quickly it can happen. You can leave here at 2 o'clock full of joy and, 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 and so happy and up. And all it takes, all it takes is one phone call. All it takes is one phone call from somebody and a few words. And it's like they want to suck all the joy out of your spirit and depress you. It's that easy. It's that easy. That's why we have to, the Bible says we have to uh, guard our minds. The first thing Paul starts with in Ephesians is what? In Ephesians 6. Helmet. Helmet of salvation. Because that's the first place he's going to attack is your mind. You have to have that helmet of salvation. You have to know beyond a doubt that God loves you. And that you're still his child. That he cares for you no matter what it may appear around you. You've got to have that helmet of salvation because he's trying to attack your mind. Amen. Ephesians 4.22, that he put off concerning the former conversation. What it means, your former lifestyle. The old man. The old man wants to do his thing. He wants to get mad. He wants to get vengeance. He wants to, he wants to get back at people. He wants to please himself. You know, that bed always feels so good on Sunday mornings, doesn't it? Ooh. On Sunday mornings, it feels so good. You want to hit the snooze. Give yourself another. I woke up and I got up and then I told my wife, I'm going back to bed. <laughs> uh, she was supposed to be my alarm clock. I said, I'm going back to bed for another half hour. It wasn't long enough. Um, but I did get up. Amen. Amen. See that? We got to put off that old man. Which is corrupt. It is corrupt. We, Paul says in Romans, neither can it be subject to the law of God. You, you try and do this in your own flesh. There's no way. There's no way you're going to fail. Which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Why are they deceitful? Because they look good. They look pleasing for a time. But in the end, they reap a harvest of terrible things. They just look good. It's like a Hollywood set. You know, it looks real. But behind it, it's just cardboard and some paint. But it looks so real. It's deceitful. And here's the verse I want to focus on. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's what we have to do because this is a fight. This is a war for your mind and for your thoughts, for your desires. And wherever the head is, that's where the body is going to follow. I said last week that Jesus said that he's seated on, on the right hand of the Father. And since he's the head of the body, and we're the body, guess where we're seated? We're supposed to be seated in the same place till he makes our enemies our footstool. The body and the head don't separate. You don't have an, a live body and head. No, no, that's not how it works. So we're supposed to be seated, the Bible says, in heavenly places. That is by faith, not by sight. You know, by sight, you're seated on some pew. But according to scripture, we're seated by faith. In heavenly places. Now, if we're seated in heavenly places, that should give you some joy. That should bring a smile to your face. As, as Sister Brownie was saying, you're not nobody. You are somebody. As they used to say during the civil rights era, I am somebody. 
In Christ, I am somebody. Amen. So we need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Let's look at some of the old thinking, what the scripture says. In Ephesians 2, 3, it says, Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh. It doesn't say some, it says all. Because all have sinned and fallen short. There's no perfect people. None. None. I've, I've had people come and tell me they were, but they just lied when they said that. <laughs> Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. We were doomed. We were destined for a devil's hell. And I say a devil's hell because that's who it was created for. It wasn't created for us. It wasn't in the first six days of creation. That was something that came because of sin. We were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Paul here is talking to the Ephesians church and he was saying, that's what we were before you came to Christ. We were children of destined for judgment. Not because God hates us, but because we broke his laws. As I've taught many times, there's all kinds of laws, right? And the definition of a law is something that doesn't change. Gravity is the same here as it is in Russia. You jump off of a cliff here, you're going to die. You jump off of a cliff in Russia, you're going to die. God doesn't have to kill you. The law was there before you decided you were going to jump off the bridge. The spiritual laws are just the same. They don't change. They're invariable. They don't change day to day. And you, do, you break off spiritual things, then you find the same spiritual consequences. The old thinking is all about me. How do I please myself? You can always tell how someone is going to act most of the times if they're not a true Christian. They're always going to act in their own favor. Right? They're always going to act in their own favor. That's why, you know, the joke goes when the two children are fighting about the cake. You say, give one and say, you divide it, then he's going to pick which slice. That makes it's going to make, he's going to make sure it's even because if he makes one bigger than the other, the other kid, see now, if he was to divide it and choose it, he was going to make his slice real big. We're always inclined to please ourselves. Amen. That's just human nature, right? I want, I want what's best for me. And that's exactly what was the first sin, Satan. That old thinking comes from Satan. This is what he said in Isaiah 14. And verse 13, for thou hast said in thine heart, that's where it starts, in our mind. We first think about it, then we do it. That's how it works. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also in, upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. That's when Satan sinned. When he transferred everything to himself. When we contrast that with Jesus, what did he say? Not my will, but thy will be done. You see, the old thinking is all about what pleases me. And that's why you can always read what most people are going to do. Just figure out what benefits them the most. That's how they're going to cut the cake. Right? You don't have to be a mind reader to know how some people are going to act. Just figure out 
how it benefits them, and that's the way they're going to go. Right? It's it's a rare individual will prefer others before themselves. But yet, in the new thinking, that's what we're called to do. Isn't that what, what the Bible says we're to do? Prefer others above ourselves. I heard now that a lot of evangelicals are saying Jesus was too woke. <laughs> see, see, it's crept into even... The, the, the word. I'm sorry, that's not my definition. It's just obeying God's word. He said to prefer others above yourself. You know, that's a test of where we are in our thinking. Do we always try to go for the biggest slice on the plate? Or do we prefer others before ourselves? The old thinking fulfills the desires of the flesh. And the Bible says because of that, we were by nature children of wrath. One of the things that Satan uses to, to captivate us is fear. Because all of us, most of us, are facing things, right? Anyone not facing some things they got to deal with tomorrow morning? Am I the only one? But all of us, I believe, have got things, issues in our lives, which if we focus on them, will start to make us anxious. We will have Anxiety. Maybe there's some decisions you have to make and you don't know which way to go and you're thinking and you're thinking. And it's fear that Satan first uses to get into our brain. That's why we have to have that helmet of salvation. So what is troubling you this morning? Now if I let it, I can think of a lot of things. I can make a long list of things that I've, that I've got and I'm thinking about this and that and all these things. What is troubling us this morning? Let's look at that. Here's Paul, the apostle, and how he dealt with that in 2 Corinthians 4.8. He says, we are troubled. Now, if you don't have to deny reality. Don't say it doesn't exist. We're not saying you pretend that it's not trouble. It is trouble. But how do you deal with it? How do you respond to it? We are troubled on every side. Now, here's his, his yet not distressed. Now, how do you do that? How can you have trouble and not let it distress you? We're perplexed. means you don't know what to do. You don't know which way to go, which way to turn, but not in despair. How can you be perplexed and not in despair? Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Paul had something going on here. He obviously had found some secret to dealing with stuff that we're going to have every day. There is going to be pressure. I said before, in this life, there will be, you will be shot at because you're on enemy territory. Jesus said before Pilate, if this were my kingdom, then I would call uh, my servants and you wouldn't be able to take me. He could just call one angel. One angel would be enough. One angel smote Herod dead. One angel slew 180,000 of the Assyrian army. And Jesus said, I could call 12 legions of it. That was, the, that was the entire Roman army at that time was composed of 12. He would say, I could call 12 legions of angels. I could call 72,000 angels if that's what I wanted to do. See, there's a way we deal with the attacks of the enemy, right? And that's why Paul says you've got to put on the helmet of salvation. I was 
teaching in the class yesterday about power and authority. And the difference is, of course, if you go out in your street clothes and stand in the middle of the street and you point to some semi and say, stop. There's a 50-50 chance. <laughs> he may not stop because he's going to say, who are you? But now, if you put on the uniform of authority, you go out there and you say, stop. There's probably a 99% chance he's going to stop. Not because you have power in yourself, but you've put on the right uniform. That's what Paul was saying. You have to put on the uniform if you're going to go out there and, and exercise your Christian authority. Many of us go out there in our, in our street clothes and try and tell the devil, stop. And he's going to say, I don't recognize your authority. You, got, you don't have the right clothes on. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you up the side of the head. Get out my way. I'm about to run you over. You see, we have to understand that in this life there will be trouble. There is going to be tribulation. But how, as Christians, as believers, do we deal with it? The Bible says we've been given weapons. Here's Paul again. We are troubled. Yes, there's trouble. There's people talking against me, calling me not an apostle, saying I, I shouldn't be preaching, I shouldn't try starting churches because I wasn't alive during, I wasn't there when Christ was on earth in the flesh. Persecuted, but not forsaken. And this is the key. He did not lose his hope. See, the Bible says hope maketh not ashamed. You have to hold on to your faith even when you're troubled. Even when the devil is telling you, God doesn't love you. God, God has finished with you. You've done messed up too many times. It's over for you. See, that is what he brings is fear and condemnation. Paul was able to say in verse 10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus you know, in, in another scripture, he told about being whipped three times with 39 stripes. And I've said, Paul's back must have been so scarred. He could, he could point in his body to the, to the marks of suffering for Christ. Three times he was, stone, um, he was stoned, to, stoned and left for dead, maybe dead. Because he said uh, he, uh, he, he went up into heaven in this body or not, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. They, they wouldn't have left him if they thought he was alive, actually. You understand that when the devil attacks, he, he plans to kill you. He doesn't just want to wound you. He plans to take you out. Persecuted, but not forsaken. This is the key. No matter where you are, you have to hold on to that hope that God still loves you, that you are still his child. Despite the things you may be facing tomorrow morning when you wake up, all the, all the issues that you're still going to have to, there is going to be trouble. There will be persecution. There will be times when it looks like you are forsaken. Jesus had to, in the flesh, experience that. On the cross, he said, why hast thou forsaken me? He had to get to the point so that he was in all points tempted such as we are yet without sin. He had to be pushed to that point where the sin that was placed upon his body, your sin, my sin, all the future sins, the, the billions of people who had still not yet to be, all that sin was placed upon his body and he had to feel what sin does. He had to become our scapegoat. 
And the thing is, we are in this life going to feel at times God forsaken. Lord, where are you? Where are you, Lord? I'm going through it. You can show up anytime now. But I can tell you, this is my testimony. I don't know about, he has always shown up. As the song says, he may not show up when you want him to. He, he has never forsaken me. Always bearing about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus may be made manifest in our body. I asked some weeks ago, how do you know the Lord loves you? Anyone remember? We were, we were given all kinds of stuff. He chastens. <laughs> Nobody gave that answer. Everybody was given because he blesses you, he gives you this. But he loves you when he also chastens you. That's God showing love. because, And I, I want him to chase me because I want him to love me. Because if he doesn't, if he doesn't, then you're not his son. You're not his daughter. I want him to change because that, that reminds me, Lord, you still love me. You want me to, 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 to change my way. You want me to come this way. You want me to, to, to change my behavior. Amen. So what is troubling us as humans is going to be real. It's not going to be imaginary. I'm not imagining some things I have to deal with. You're not imagining them. But there is a way to renew your mind. How do we renew our minds? That's the question. How do we renew our minds? When we've got all this stuff, this weight, these loads, these cares on every side, maybe we haven't been whipped like Paul, but maybe mentally the devil has been whipping us and telling us it's hopeless, it's no good, you're, you're done for. You might as well, you know, jump off the bridge. Might as well turn on the gas and light the fire or something. See, he comes to kill and destroy. So how do we renew our minds? Well, the first thing the scripture says is we have to give our burdens to him. And that's easier said than done. How do you let go worry? How do you let go fear? 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us what we're supposed to do. It says, casting all your cares upon him. Why? For he careth for you. Now, to do that, number one, you've got to believe that. You've got to believe that God still cares for you. That he still loves you. Sometimes I pray to God, just give me a hug. Lord, I need a hug this, this week. And you know he does that? Not in a literal hug, but he'll do something for me that I know is a hug. And it bring a smile to my face when it happens. Lord, thank you for that hug. You can ask God for a hug. Amen. I do that a lot. I say, God, I need a hug this week. Not, not a physical hug, but I need you to, to show up in my life. Amen. Now, that might be a little bit of a lack of faith, but anyway, I, I, I want to hear, hear that he loves me. Amen. I want to know that he loves me. My father used to tell a story of this man that had been married for 40 years. And after 40 years, his wife said, you never tell me you love me. Anymore, And he says, well, I told you 40 years ago, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> God is not like that. The Bible says renewed every day are his mercies. That would be a very, very, very bad marriage. If you only knew 40 years ago, I said to my wife, I love you, and I never said it 
again. I try and say it every day. Maybe several times a day. I try and say And I want God to say it to me. There's nothing wrong in having God give you a hug. I need a hug. I do. Amen. I need that, that reassurance. It's just like a child. That child needs reassurance that it is loved. So to, to, to really put 1 Peter 5, 7 into operation, we have to first believe that God loves us. Then you can cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. A little child, as I said, when I was a little child and my parents promised me something, it was then, it was not a matter of if, once they said it was, it was just a matter of when. Uh-huh. I stopped asking if you're going to do, if he said, I remember one day I wanted a train set. I wanted a train set so bad. Finally, my dad said, okay, we're going to get you a train set. So now, the question wasn't, I want a train set, is when I... <laughs> when am I going to get this train set? And I knew it was going to be Christmas, so I stopped asking. You know why? I believed. Once you've asked your Heavenly Father for something, the question comes down, do you believe? Now, I think my dad would have been hurt if I kept on asking him for the train set after he told me he was going to give me the train set. He'd have been like, don't, don't, you, don't you trust me? I trusted him because I got the train set. Uh I got the train set. It was a great train set. I remember it like it was yesterday. See, when we come to God in faith, we can cast our cares. Now it's just a matter of, Lord, when? I know you you promised you're going to do it, so now I'm just looking for when is it going to happen. See, that shows that we have truly done. Lord, I got this situation I'm dealing with, and I've given it to you. So now, Lord, the question is when? I'm praying for when? Not if anymore, but when. See, this is how we can start to have a renewed mind, by giving our cares to God. See, when we leave here today, we should pray in faith that we can put our cares upon Him. And then the question shouldn't be if, it's when, Lord. He said, listen, I want you to tarry at Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Most of them or at least some percentage, 120, believed him. So what did they do? They stayed and they waited. He didn't tell them when, but they didn't question if. It was just a matter of when. Right? When was it going to happen? We should not be questioning if. He said he's coming back. The question now is when. And as the song that was sung by, I think it was the one soon, uh, and very soon, or maybe it's Andre Crouch. I'm going to see the king. See, because a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day to God. So in his mind, it's soon. And if we have that attitude, it's not if he's coming back, it's when. So we can cast our cares on him only if we believe. Verse 8 says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh around seeking whom he may devour. That tells me he can't devour everyone. It's only those who are not dressed. Paul said, put on the whole armor of God, whereby you may be able to withstand. If I go out there with the uniform, with the the authority of a policeman, people kind of behave themselves. Just because I might be a small dude, but they see the gun on my hip, they see all the other paraphernalia, you better not mess with him. Because he has the authority to do something. 
See, when we put on the whole armor of God, Satan recognizes that. He's armored up. I better go after somebody else. Because that's a losing battle. Whom resists steadfast in the faith. We've got to resist Satan. Now, sometimes we may fall. Maybe we, we give into something. But the Bible says that we get back up. You haven't lost unless you quit. You've got to resist steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same afflictions that we're going through are accomplished in other people. Some people think that they're the worst off. Man, nobody got it as bad as me. No, you ain't seen what I'm dealing with. You don't understand, Pastor. You don't understand what I'm going through. See, you got a nice wooden cross. My, or at least you got a nice gold cross. It's got diamonds. I got this old, heavy, wooden, ugly cloth cross. Paul is saying, no, that's not how it works. Because the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren. We're all going through it. They all had to get from Egypt to Canaan the same way. They all had to go through the desert. They all had to go through the same path. They all had to cross the Jordan, right? There wasn't another, there wasn't separate ways. There was only one way. But here's what he's saying. But the God of all grace. Paul went through this. There's a time he said in 2 Corinthians 12, Man, I got this thorn in the flesh. And it's bothering me and I hate it. And I prayed three times, Lord, can't you just remove this thing? God said, mm, Paul, sorry, my grace is sufficient. Some of the things we're praying for God to remove, he's saying, no, you're just going to have to rest in my grace, my unmerited favor. You're going to have to trust that no matter what you're going through, I still love you, okay? And it, it's, there's a purpose for what you're going through. You can't see it or understand it. When he was washing their feet, he said, you don't understand what I'm doing right now. Because that made no sense. They just eaten food and he got up and starts washing their feet. Why? What, is that, what sense does that make? God will sometimes bring things into your life that make no sense. So you're going to have to trust him. Because otherwise Satan will use that same thing to work on your mind. To start making you question. Hath God said? See, we start to question. Lord, why did that happen to me? But Paul here is saying, whom resist, steadfast, don't move, don't let Satan deceive you. Resist in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. There's someone somewhere who's going through some stuff right now. So I can't complain or say I've got it worse than anybody else. But the God of all grace who have called us into, unto eternal Glory by Christ Jesus. After, after you've been through something, after you've suffered a while, will make you perfect. Establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. So the first thing in renewing your mind is first of all, give your burden to him. Say, I can't handle this. And lots of times with me anyway, God will, will make it so clear that it's impossible for me to handle it. He'll put me in a situation where there's nothing I can do. And the reason why he does that is so that I don't even try. 
Because if it was something that could be worked out, my puny little logical brain would say, okay, let me see if I can work this problem, if I can figure this out, if I juggle this bill and pay this one this week, I'll try and work it. But he puts me in situations where there is no, there is no working it out. There is no working it out. I have to just say, Lord, if you don't do it, it ain't going to get done. We have to renew our mind, our way of thinking. Instead of trying to work it out and getting all anxious, say, Lord, I give this to you. I give this to you. And part of that giving to you is based upon love. I remember I taught that faith has to be based upon love because love is what engenders trust. If you really love someone, you also trust them. That what they're going to say is not there to hurt you, is not there to, de to, to destroy you, but is there for your good. If you love someone, you're never going to try and hurt them. Now in a marriage, sometimes we may say hurtful words, but if you understand that that person really loves you, you would know that it was unintentional. If you've been married any number of years, there's going to be times when you say something thoughtless. Right? And it hurts. But as soon as you find out, you say, man, I didn't mean to say that. I didn't, I didn't mean it to come across in that way. You know that I love you. And what does love do? There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Right? So when we love God and, and we believe absolutely that he loves us and that we're his child, we will stop fearing. We will try. The devil's job is to interrupt that and sow seeds of doubt. Right? Because something hasn't happened, you'll say, well, maybe God has dropped you now. Maybe if you had your, your 490 forgivenesses. Maybe you, maybe you, you, just, you just went over the limit. Right? Satan will try anything and everything to bring about fear. Because if he can bring about fear, then it brings about doubt. And if it comes doubt, then you lose faith. You lose faith, you lose hope. And then he's got your mind. He's got your mind. So we have to base our faith upon the fact that God, first of all, loves us. In fact, he tells us that he loves us more than a mother could love us. That's how deep his love was. We all know that verse in John, right? For God so loved the world that he gave. Love is always demonstrated. It's not just a word. It's got to be an action. I can tell you I love you a million times, but it doesn't actually become real. Until I do something. Until I manifest that love. Until I'm, and God has manifested his love, at least to me, so many times. There have been some crucial times in my life where it was hopeless. Where I was facing, as they say, the Mack truck. <laughs> coming down the road and I was stuck. There have been some crucial times when I, when I cried out. When I cried out with, with all... That I had to say, Lord, you have to do this. I can think of about four of them right now when I just, I just, Lord, if you don't do this, it's a disaster. There's no hope. And I, all I can tell you, God's grace, God's mercy, 
he, he, just, he just did some miraculous things. I can never repay what God has done. And yet with even that, the devil will come and try and sow seeds of doubt. See, if you know someone very well and someone comes and tells you about, oh well, they've done, you, you won't believe them. Because you know that person. That's not them. See, if we know God's character and Satan comes and tells that's not him. Bible says Adam was not deceived. <laughs> that's why Satan didn't go and talk to him. He, he was not deceived. Paul makes that clear. Because he knew that was a lie. See, when you know that you know that you know, you will not be deceived. So we have to replace that old man. That old man that he talked about. Ephesians 4.22. That he put off concerning the former conversation, lifestyle of the old man, which is corrupt, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man. That's what I was talking about. Putting on the right uniform. Today is our day to get dressed up. So that when you leave here today, you're armored up. Devil will take one who catch you and say, mm-mm-mm. I better just move on down the road because I'm not messing with him. I'm not messing with her. They have the helmet of salvation on. They've got their loins girded with truth. They've got the breastplate of righteousness. They've got their feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all things, they've got the, uh, the shield of faith. And they've come out with the sword of the spirit. <laughs> now when the devil sees you put on that stuff, he doesn't want to fight that. Oh no, he's looking for the person who goes out there in their street clothes, thinking that they're dressed up. And he's going to run over you. <laughs> we got to replace the old man. That's what it says. We're for putting away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. The one thing that God respects, the one thing that gets his favor is honesty with him. Because you can't deceive him. It wasn't that David did less sins than Saul. But the thing was, David was honest. He was honest. He realized and acknowledged he had done a great... When the prophet confronted him, he didn't say, Listen, look, nobody knows about this, just me and you. He wrote Psalm 51. What a beautiful psalm. Creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. See, God will be, we can, we can mess up, and we do mess up, but what God is looking for is honesty. An honest confession. Lord, I messed up. I am not worthy. We see this in the parable about the publican and the Pharisee, right? The Pharisee goes in there and says, I pay my tithes and I do all this stuff and I'm, and I'm not, as this, not as this man over here. Man, think about how bold he was going in there and say, I'm not like this guy. And yet, you know, mentally a lot of us are like this. We're looking over a shoulder. <laughs> and I've said many times when Jesus said, one of you should betray me, they all said, is it I? We all have the potential to fail. So we all have to come to God in humility. That's part of replacing the old man. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Any emotion 
that is strong, the devil can use it. And he, he loves it because you don't become rational anymore. You're not thinking things through. You're just letting the flesh and the anger or the whatever it is control you. So the Bible says we've got to be renewed through the spirit. And if we do that, then Romans 8.1 applies to us. There is therefore now no condemnation. Wow. If there's no condemnation, then I can come to God boldly. There's therefore now no condemnation. But there is a condition to them which are in Christ and who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And for years I used to, used to kind of struggle about that. What does it mean walking after? But you know, it's very simple. Paul elsewhere explains it's what you're thinking about. Is your day consumed with fleshly things? Then you're walking after the flesh. If your day is consumed with godly things, then you're walking after the spirit. If you're thinking, Lord, boy, that, that preacher said a word and I'm, I'm, I'm meditating upon it. You're, you're walking after the spirit. It's whatever you're minding. It's whatever you're thinking. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Paul in Romans here is explaining God's grace and how we can, through God's grace, overcome fleshly de desires. And here, verse 5, he explains it very clearly. For they that are after the flesh do mind. If you start focusing on your problems, you are going to be depressed. Let me see now. What have I got to do tomorrow? <laughs> Man, if I actually have to do things tonight, when I leave here, my other job, they got all kinds of things laid up for me. I got to write a report. I got to do timesheets for all, all, all the people who report. I got a lot of stuff to do. I got a lot of church stuff. If I focus on that stuff, man, I, I couldn't preach. I couldn't get up here. I would be depressed. I wouldn't want to get up out of bed. See, that's what it's saying. They that are after the flesh do mind. If that's what I'm thinking about all the time, then Satan has got me. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. If, if, see, someone asked me the other day, they, they sent me a question, they, a Bible question they wanted me to answer. And I told them, I replied to them, I said, well, this is very deep. It's going to take me a while to write to you back, but I will. And I've been struggling to find the time to answer them. Now, see, I need to be minding the things of the spirit. That's what I need to be focused on. I said today, when I go home, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to do... Uh, the secular stuff, I'm, I'm going I'm to reply to this person because I promised them. See, that's what it is. Once we fill our minds with things of God, yes. Satan doesn't have room. Yes. We can't get an anxiety attack. We can't start panicking about things that we can't even control. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity. Once we start worrying, God, we're, we're putting a barrier up to God's grace. So they that are of the flesh cannot please God. But you don't have to be that way. If you've been filled with the Spirit, you can just start thinking about God's goodness, God's grace, God's love, God's mercy. The times when it was hopeless and He came through for me. The times when He delivered me when there was no other way. I mean, you can't start thinking about that and not smile. And not have joy and want to raise your hand and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The key, and I'm not going to finish this today, 
is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Finally, brethren, here's, I told you what it is. It's about what you think. This is the test. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure. Now, there's a lot of things that are true that are not pure. Don't bother wasting your time thinking about those things. You have to fulfill all of this, not parts of it. There are true things that are horrible, right? So-and-so did so-and-so. Yeah, it's true they did that, but you don't have to be thinking about it. That's not going to edify your soul. That doesn't bless you. You got to be thinking about your own salvation, not about what somebody else done and done. Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. Well, we had a great service today. We saw Brother Joe walk in church. Isn't that a great thing to think about? Amen. Amen. Whatever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report. You had a good report. I love that testimony. Amen. Next time I see somebody, I'll be thinking about you and say, should I stop? <laughs> Maybe the Lord will use me. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what are, what are we commanded to do? What does it say? What did it say? Come on. Think on these things. It's as simple as that. That's how you renew your mind. It's what you think about. Now, you can choose. Now, sometimes thoughts come unbidden. That's true. But you got to kick them out. There's some strange thoughts will come to my head. And I say, what in the world? Where did that come from? And I have to really force myself to think on something else. You can do that. You have some choice in this matter. You don't have to listen to the devil's channel. Change the channel. Whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on those things. This is how we renew our mind. This is how we get through the week. You should have that, that scripture posted up on your fridge every morning. Look at it and say, what am I, you should choose. What am I going to think about today? When you wake up tomorrow morning, you should tell yourself, what am I going to choose to think about today? What thing am I going to meditate about that God has done for me? Amen. Amen. Yeah, we should do that. Instead of thinking about, okay, yes, God knows we have to pay the bills. God knows we have tribulation. God knows we've got stuff to do. But it shouldn't be our 100%, 24-7, 365 day a week thought. Paul in Philippians here is telling the secret of a renewed mind. I'm going to skip to the end because I still have a long way to go. Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Let's approach God with humility. Let's approach things with humility. I can't fix it anyway. I'm not God. I can't, I, most of the stuff I'm dealing with, I have to really just give it to God, please, you, you help me because, because I can't. When I was small, up probably through my early 20s, I was deceived by my mother. She told me I could do anything. And I had such confidence in my own self, in my, in, she told me I was brilliant and I was all of this, and I believed it. When your mother tells you those things, you tend to believe it. 
But as I got older, the Lord straightened me out. <laughs> and I learned like Paul, I can't place any confidence in the flesh. I realized looking back that all the times I thought was brilliant, it was supernatural. God came in and fixed stuff for me, and I didn't even realize it. But now I realize that I have to make myself of no reputation. I have to give him the glory. Give him the glory. Because we are all called to be servants. The word minister just means servant. Greatest title you can have is servant. Not bishop, not doctor, whatever. Not apostle, but servant. Paul said, I a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, if, if we can be called servants by by God, if he can even say, hast thou considered my servant? Yeah, Job was going to have some suffering, but God called him his servant. That means there was limits to what Satan could do because it was his servant. He didn't report to Satan. He was his servant. See, when we get a renewed mind, a lot of the things we're looking at, the situation may not change. But our thinking will have changed. Instead of looking at stuff as half empty, I'll look at it as half full. We're not lying, but our attitude to the situation is different. David came upon the armies of Israel as a youth, and for 40 days Goliath had been taunting and trash-talking and saying, you little cowards, come out, send someone out and fight me. Situation hadn't changed, but he came out saying, you uncircumcised Philistine, he talked back to him. You got to talk back to the devil and say, listen, you, you think you're picking on a weakling. I came to church, son, and I got armored up. I'm coming to you with the sword, which is the word of the Lord. I'm going to start saying, it is written. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, but it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out the mouth of God. See, when we come to church and we get that word that washes us, we need to start to put on that whole armor so that our mind and our thinking is protected. Amen. If you could stand with me. Amen. I ran out of time today, but I hope you were blessed. This month we've been studying renewing of our minds, renewing of our body, renewing of our soul. And if we would just put even just a little bit of this into practice. Amen. If we would put on the whole armor of God, that helm, I know that I'm saved, Satan. I'm his servant. I'm not your servant. So I have no obligation to yield to you. I have no obligation to listen to you. Because I'm a child of the king. See, when we come with, he's going to look for someone else. You know, the lions always attack the weakest ones that are on the outside. The ones that look strong and are wrong, and you know, I'm not going to mess with them. <laughs> I'll leave them alone. That's too much work. But it's the ones that are on the outside that are struggling and they're not keeping up with the pack. That's the ones they attack. I want to be right in the middle. I want to be right in the middle of God's blessing, of God's presence, of God's anointing. Amen. That's where I want to be because Satan's not going to get to me. Not this week, Satan. But I'm going to hear it lift up the name of Jesus and declare the goodness of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God is so good today. Amen. God is so good. Amen. We're, we're going to close our Sunday school, but we're, as I always say, we're not going to close God's presence. And I'm looking for an anointing and a breakthrough in our second service. Amen. So if you could bow your hearts with me right now, Father, we thank you. 
for your goodness and your grace, your love. Lord God, help us to be renewed in our minds, Lord God. Lord God, that every imagination and thought will be pulled out, Lord God, because the weapons you have given us are mighty. Hallelujah. We thank you right now for your love, Lord God, and we're going to cast all our cares upon you, Lord God, because your word says you care for us. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, to lift up your name. Hallelujah. To worship you, Lord God. We ask for your presence and anointing, oh God, to have liberty in our second service, to move. Lord, I pray that our worship, Lord God, ascend to your throne room. We thank Thank you today, and we give you the praise of the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. amen.